deep in this one. Cheers to episode 48. Cheers. 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 Mickey! Mm-hmm. Little Mickey, you know, after Thanksgiving, you know, something low-carb, low-calorie. Smart. What about you? I said whiskey. Oh. Got a mix of some bottles of wine over there. Snoop Dogg was on one of them. Bougie. Alex is high. Yeah, six edibles. Nice. I mean, he was acting really weird earlier. I wish none of that is true, man. None of it's <laughs> super bizarre. Like the weirdest I've ever seen him act. I'm not high. Come on, I'm actually not. Then he joked that he was, and I kind of thought he was after the way he was acting. But nevertheless, today, tonight is Monday, November 29th, 2021, Alex. 6.40 p.m., the, the iHome's already making fart noises, this show. We need a new one. And it happened. It finally happened. Oh, God. Years of pent-up aggression and depression and laughingstock embarrassment. It finally happened. How's Michigan won the Super Bowl. How was everyone's week? My week was good. Do you want to start first, Alex? Who wants to start? Well, Thanksgiving recap. Oh, so yeah, short work week. Uh, That was nice. Thanksgiving, um, I went to my aunt and uncle's. So anyone who listened last week didn't go to my grandparents this year. (laughs) Thanksgiving was a little different. Is there any follow-up with that? Because I was thinking about it after we released it. I was like, I actually feel guilty that I released that to the public. Uh, People did ask me about it. I got texted about it. Sorry your Thanksgiving so bad, man. So, people did reach out about that. Um, but I went to my aunt and uncle's, did watch the Lions game. Ooh, forgot that it happened, kind of. Um, the floss, whatever, don't really care. Then, oh, I hunted Thanksgiving morning with Ivan. Nice. Uh, I did not hit the bar Wednesday, the annual Wednesday bar of the night year, whatever you want to call it. Because I went hunting. And then uh, Friday, oh, I went to the local watering hole. Grant, you were there. Friday did go to that. Yep. Drank a little more than I anticipated. Got drunk. Yeah. And then uh, Saturday morning, I made the last-minute decision to uh, go to East Lansing, hang out with Evan, some other people. Went to the game. Stayed for the whole game. Impressive, I'd say. Redeemed yourself from Maryland. Redeemed. Uh, Evan and I are deep water people. And then Sunday, I didn't do much of anything. But uh, that was my week. Nice. Went to the bar on uh, Saturday night. Heavy drinking holiday. Always drinking on holidays. Thanksgiving. Went home pretty early in the week. Around like Tuesday, because I had a decent stretch of no work there. Enjoyed. As much as I could, got to see the dog. Huge dogs are just sometimes the best part of when you finally get home. So shout out the dog, shout out to Nash. Went to my grandparents for a good chunk of Thanksgiving. The power went out, uh, and I get no service in that area of town. So I was relying on the group chat to get me to the Lions game. Uh, and you couldn't even script it any better. Is the minute that my dad came in, he went into the car for like a two minute drive, 
to see uh, two minute drill to see who won the game. He walks in, lines lost, power flips back on. It was almost like it was just out of a out of a movie. You walk into Grandma's house, power goes off, the game ends, power's back on. But it's probably good for the best that we didn't have any distractions, got to catch up with family, and then after Thursday, worked Friday through Sunday, no complaints. And like you said, we went to the bar Friday night. Um, lost on pull tabs, Ooh. very disappointing. We won some money, nine dollars. Sure, D- was not profitable on pull tabs. Um, stumped Alex in college football trivia, and he had to take two tequila shots. Not actually true. And then that was pretty much it. I also played some of the best pool of my life, and Alex lost us the game because uh, we had a four ball lead on who we were playing. And it was one of the easiest eight balls ever. And I just said, Alex, make sure you hit the bottom of the cue ball so you get a little backspin so we don't scratch and lose. He goes, I'm just going to hit as hard as I can. And I go, okay. And then he did it, and he did, and it scratched. And we lost. That was cool. Who cares? Evan, you're Um, weekly. Got to go home Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, uh, went to the local watering hole. Big bar night, obviously, and saw a lot of people I haven't seen in a while. It was basically just high school reunion for every single class. Um, it was a fun time. I went hunting. I went to the bar because I'm not soft, and then oh. got up and went hunting because I'm wow. not soft. Correct. Um, Me didn't soft. see anything hunting. It was raining the entire time. Still haven't seen anything. Yep. Uh, stayed awake, surprisingly, because it was raining. Um, it was pretty miserable out there. It, it was miserable. Yeah, when Alex and I were walking back to the house, you just kind of I just turned to him. And I was like, "Well, that sucked." Um, Thanksgiving was great. It's all family. Ate well, watched football. Um, then turned around, came back up here for Friday. Tailgated, watched the Michigan Ohio State game. Got to go to the game. It's actually very pleasing to watch because, like, in the stadium because of the snow, snow game. Uh, fun experience with friends. No games. They do. They're so awesome. F word. They're like it's. They're so beautiful. They're like so beautiful. It was nice. Then went to Sticky Rick Saturday night with the gang, and that was fun. You know, uh, not that many people in there since it was Thanksgiving break, but it was still a good time. Shout out Jason for having too much fun. You're Uh, welcome. (laughs) He was feeling it Saturday night when he got back. No, in a good way. I mean, he was downing vodka crayons like they were juice, and I was supporting them because vodka crayons are still good. I taste tested it to make sure, you know, it's still, they're still good. Hard revoking. I mean, take my man card. You're drinking wine right now. I'm just, I was just a question. I'm not saying. It. No, if it tastes good and I enjoy drinking them, then I don't care. And then Sunday, I just felt like a lazy sack of potatoes. I just laid on the couch and watched the boring NFL games and took probably four different naps. So, Are you still out on the NFL? Yeah, I'm 100 out. No I NFL think- games like excite me. Like, okay, like the Colts and Buccaneers game that was exciting, but hand up, I fell asleep. I barely watched any of it. And then, like, I wanted to watch Stafford beat Green Bay, but that didn't happen. So, I don't know. This is sacrilegious to say, but I don't really get jazzed for the NFL into the playoffs. I also yeah. watch every single game, but it just like stinks. I don't know. There's not that. I, I honestly rather watch Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam, or the Iron Bowl than I want to rather watch an NFL game. Wow. X. 
Facts, facts. A lot of people. There's a lot of NFL snobs. Like, oh, I just can't watch the goofy college football plays. Like, these are they're not grown men professionals. It's like, uh, yeah, but, like, everyone cares a thousand times more. Like, you don't have bums like OBJ ruining teams. Moment. You score. Like, after yeah. the first drive in the NFL, like, already, already half of the first quarter is already gone. Like, what are we doing? After the first drive in college, you're like, okay, it's a minute and a half has been gone. No game's ever over. Yeah. Honestly, the most exciting NFL product this year has been the Minnesota Vikings. So I feel like they're the only games worth watching because they're always in like sweat fest. I was gonna, oh, I was gonna say, yeah, I can relate to your nap nap deal because that's what I did Thanksgiving Day. I ate like <laughs> at 12:30 a full meal, stayed awake for the whole like Lions game, and then fell asleep halfway through the Dallas game, woke up to Luke Combs singing, ate another <laughs> meal, took a nap, woke up at halftime of the Saints Bills game ate another meal and I was like I didn't go to bed till like two because my I had already slept like enough for the day. It was it was it messed my sleep schedule up for the rest of the week. It was bananas. So I need I need to I need usually you do recover on sleep on holidays like this. I need to recover on sleep this and prepare myself. Without we'll get into more pie details about your guys fun outside of sports stuff when we talk about the Michigan State Penn State game. Before we get into that though, the game of well, not the most exciting game in the college football season because there's been better finishes, but the greatest win in sports I've ever seen in my life since 2004, since when the Pistons brought home the championship against Kobe and the Lakers. There's no better win that rivals it. If you're a Michigan, if you're a Michigan fan, if you're Grant, if you're Grant, I mean, it was just, there's so many places to start. I'm going to try to do big picture stuff and a little bit X's and O's. I'm not going to get into the future because we got to focus on the present and what we saw. And I don't want to bore people to death because half of our audience doesn't really care, although they should because, you know, it's a shakeup in the college football landscape of the Big Ten of everything. Could, it could, this could change college football for years going forward. Who knows what's going to happen? But really, I always thought in my mind, and maybe you guys felt the same way too, I'm curious, is like when I always thought when Michigan – was going to eventually win this game because even though it felt like sometimes it felt impossible, they were going to win it because again, they're 18 to 20 year old kids. They're gonna they're gonna figure out how to beat a team. I thought it would be it'd feel fluky in a way. Like I thought Ohio State would have a couple turnovers. Um, maybe a big call would be made by the refs. Maybe there'd be a block punt or a punt return. I thought it'd be one where Michigan stole it from Ohio State and Ohio State's still the better team. But what happened on Saturday was on that day, now I'm not saying if they played in the future on a neutral site out of 10 times what would happen. I'm saying on that day, on that field, they bullied them, and it was clear to anyone that watched that Michigan was the better team in the football game on that day. And that was stunning. That made it even better because there was no, there was no room for debate. There was no, though this happened, so that's why like that was fluky. It was just like a total ass-kicking of a team that I always forget how much I hate. Because, because I'm friends with you guys, because my great friends are Michigan State, I spend so much time thinking about the Michigan State rivalry that I forget, like we have Wyatt in our chat, but Wyatt's not an aggressive Ohio State fan. I like Wyatt. He's like one of the few Ohio State fans. You don't fans. like us. No, I like you guys. Okay, but what I'm saying is like, I, like, I like a lot of, I like almost every Michigan State fan I've ever met. I like their campus. I like hanging out at their bars. I, when Ohio State rolls around, I actually hate every single thing about that university and like their fans and those idiot faces and Ryan Day's 
dyed beard and he looked like a he looked like the michelin man out there on saturday in his little two-tone jacket with those doofy gray sweatpants and it's like it felt so good to finally like humble him and to see him in distress on the sideline but i don't want to get carried away with just hating on ohio state because it should be more praise of michigan i think in my mind the the two guys that had incredible games were hassan haskins and Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson. Obviously, I wrote down their names because they need to be said as Zach Zinter, Andrew Vistardis, uh, Andrew Stuber, Ryan Hayes, and Trevor Keegan. The offensive line, unbelievable. Looked like men against boys. I think when I knew, like, you, I guess you never really know how great your offensive line is or anything in Michigan until you play Ohio State because in years past, they've gotten to this one loss and then just got embarrassed. But when the fight broke out in this uh, third quarter, when they just got right in the cornerback's face and it's like, okay, these are like grown men that you're just not going to mess with on this given day is when it kind of set in. I'm rambling a lot. Uh, I would like to open up to you guys for any, any thoughts that you go X's and O's wise of anything you saw from this game. I guess maybe you could go back to my statement. like, did you guys feel that when Michigan finally got this done, it'd be kind of like a fluky performance as, as opposed to the domination it ended up being? Uh, I honestly didn't think about it. You know, didn't think when Michigan wins, is it going to be because of this or this? I really didn't think about it, probably because I'm not a dire Michigan fan. So I didn't. Did you think Michigan would win? Like, when did you think? I didn't think they would win the game leading up to the game, no. Um, I honestly thought when Michigan just went right down the field, bully ball, stadium rocking. I know you said it happened before, but it felt like the way Ohio State looks right out of the gate. The way Michigan looked right out of the gate, I thought, you know, it definitely could happen. And uh, then as the game went on, I just more so thought that they were going to win. I, yeah, I mean, they bullied them start to finish. I guess I never would say it was, I thought it would be fluky. I just thought it would be two, three, maybe more years before Michigan would finally win. I didn't think it would be this year um, for many reasons, um, but until they actually started playing. And I, I was shocked that Michigan right, went right down the field and scored the first drive. And I think just Harbaugh outcoached Ryan Day for the full four quarters. Yeah, and the the staff is a staff as a whole because obviously we know one of the we talked about this. Like if you go back to our discussions from the preseason, I kind of was kicking myself after. Like obviously I don't really care because they won the game, but I told you guys at the start of the season, like kind of jokingly, but seriously, if you're going to be an Ohio State team, this is a good chance as any just because they have a redshirt freshman quarterback who played in like five snaps the year before Justin Fields is in the NFL. He's a great quarterback. Um, and like they had a great recruiting class, but a lot of kids on their team were freshmen. And that's just like your best chance to beat them. And as I watched them play, like I think we think about when college football was back and they played Minnesota. Evan was in that game against Ohio state in the first half. And then Ohio State loses to Oregon. Like, I was like, this. And then we were in Miami, and Ryan is sweating out their win against Tulsa. I'm like, this Ohio State team is, can be got. And they go on their stretch where they just dummy teams. And then what really tripped me up is watching them against Michigan State. And I'm like, man, are they just going to, is this offensive force just going to come into the big house and it's going to be a nightmare? And it didn't. Like, they, they look so scared. Like, the first snap of the game, they pulled a Jared Goff and snapped it off Stroud's chest. Still crazy to me that that ball didn't land in a Michigan player's lap, but didn't didn't end up mattering. It's like 
every all the mistakes that Michigan would make in this game in past years, like 2016, fumbling on the goal line, throwing dumb pick sixes, Ohio State basically made those plays. And again, part of it has to be given to the crowd. The crowd there, shout out if you were in attendance and a Michigan fan, unbelievable. The loudest that I've ever heard the big house on TV. Multiple people said they've been going since 2008, 2000s. It's the loudest it's ever been. Like start to finish, people were standing. So the old heads got on their feet for it. It's like five false starts. It's a mix of them being concerned about the edge rushers and also the crowd. Like Ohio State just did stupid things that were directly influenced by like the intimidating environment they walked into. And they just did not look like an Ohio State team in my time has looked really in this game. Michigan also did exactly what we said, and they just ran the ball down their throats over and over and over. And it's like third two every time. And they'd convert third down over and over and over again. I mean, they were five of eight on third down. They only had eight third down. Ohio they didn't State have a third eight. down in the second half until they need the ball. Ohio State had mm-hmm. 18 third downs for comparison. Um, it always felt like to Ohio State when they were in third down, it felt like it was third and 15 every time. I don't know how it always got to that point. Probably Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabo getting to the quarterback, making plays, but it always just felt like Ohio State was in terrible positions on third down. And Michigan, when they got to third down, it was third and two, third and one, third and four. And they would just keep converting. Mm-hmm. It was drastically different than any Michigan Ohio State game I have seen probably in my coherent life. I think, and I want to get your thoughts, Evan. I was thinking that I was watching it. Well, I watched it back for the second time. It was, I can say it's much more enjoyable watching it back when you know the outcome is going to be favorable for you. Because well, let's be honest here. During I, I, So I'll walk you through it. I was watching this in my basement. My dad came down to watch it. He usually watches upstairs. Like, we should probably watch it together so one of us isn't screaming if, in case one's ahead of the other. I was also working so i wasn't like I, I could basically see every snap but i at some points i was like i can't really just like lock into it so but i was getting texts from yeah i mean i don't know if alex was jinxing it uh when he was like ball game ball game a million felt times kept um, saying it because it was real yeah, evan you held off until you felt like it was really towards the end there but even then i was a little nervous and then uh friend of the pod luke texted me early he's like dude i'm telling you Michigan is going to win this game. They're dominating the line of scrimmage. Like he said, it was going to be like 34 31, but this was like in the first quarter. I was like, dude, everyone needs to chill out. There's a miles left. And like it was a game, obviously, at half 14 13. And Michigan had, uh, they get up seven to three, seven nothing, seven to three. K throws, a, oh no, seven nothing. Then a devastating pick that haunted me for quarters. I couldn't let it go. I was like, dude, that would have been 14 nothing. And then they get the field goal. Um, and then Michigan has two, two stalled drives. Uh, and Ohio State goes up 10-7. They answer. But, like, it really was a in the balance 100% at the half. And then if you think about the big plays of the game or the big, biggest moments, like that opening second half stop, that, that drive where they stopped them, Josh Ross makes a hell of a play on a third down. Like, that changed it. Because then, as, as, as we know from, like, the, the summary, Michigan was – four or four on their second half drives. And then the last one was just knees. But I had this feeling, and I want to know, Evan, what you think, because I know you love, you love the X's and O's and the, the coaching staffs and the game plans. But, like, I almost felt like Ryan Day outsawed himself, and he started to get too pass-happy because everyone says, like, their 
total rushing stats weren't good, but you have to take away the sack yards. There was four sacks, and one of them, a couple of them were CJ Stratus running. Trevor Henderson was carving Michigan's defense for large chunks of that game, whether in the air or on the ground. And I felt like, especially in the second half, they got down a score and they abandoned it, and then it spiraled from there sometimes. Even in the first half, they 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 didn't capitalize on the red zone because they got too pass happy. So I'm not saying it's a trend in play calling, but it always seems that way. As soon as like a quality team, quality matchup, big game, team gets down, they abandon the run. I don't know if it's X's and O's. I don't know if the coaches feel like they have to give it all back right now or if it's matchup situations, but I feel like it should have never abandoned the run because he averaged 4.4 yards per carry. Yeah, Henderson was having a good, great game. And, you know, some of them – and I. Like the play calling, and like then you see like a negative or loss of a, a run here and there. But I just, it was like the stretch plays where they're trying to run sideline to sideline, and it might be the old thinking in my head where like get north and south. But I feel like that was working better for Ohio State against Michigan was like the north and south zone replays, not the stretch plays to the sideline. They clearly weren't beating Michigan to the sideline based off of like their tackles not being able to set the edge. Like Michigan was setting the edge and they were not being able to do it. And they kept on going back to like the stretch zone reads. Um, and then obviously like Smith, the Jigba and Wilson had really good stats. They averaged like over 11, close to 12 yards per catch. So that might help going into why we're throwing the ball so much. But I mean, the more that you pass, the more the defense alignment can just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. They don't have to worry about gap integrity. They don't have to worry about, okay, is there a polling guard coming my way? If they know they're going to pass more than 50% of the play, more than 50, 50% of the plays, which is – I get it why they have to throw the ball more, but it just, it's just stupid in my eyes. Yeah, it was – I don't know. It just – they it felt like they, they overthought it. They're, again, their passing game did work. I mean, we saw they're, they're good for a reason. They – Wilson and Najigba and Olave all made really tough catches in that game, like NFL level Sunday catches that kept them in the game and kept it close. But it just felt, and especially like they had shown graphics of how Ohio State's dominated this rivalry in the past. And it's because they've won the trenches and they've dominated the run game. And especially their offensive line wasn't, wasn't doing that bad run blocking, you know, but I think it would have been much tighter and would have gone back and forth if, if they had committed to the run more. Um, I would say, but obviously no complaints on my end to me, like big picture. This was like, it really is. It's like, it's, it's a program changing win for, for this, for Michigan. And I was thinking just how crazy college football is in sports in general, like the narratives and the pressure. Cause if, if Michigan loses this game, it's, it's like, okay, people are again calling for Harbaugh's head and like, he can never get it done. And they win one game, one of five. And it's like, people love him again. And, you know, obviously the answer is somewhere in the middle. Like he's probably not as bad as a coach as people have made it out to be. And he's not as amazing as a coach as people think he might be now, but it's just crazy. The roller coaster of college football and the narratives and how fast things can change. Um, as far as the, as far as just the scene in Arbor, unbelievable. Like I'm not sure I realized what would happen if the game was at home and they pulled this off and it finally won, but I think the, the best way to describe it was Joel Klatt said, like, what you're seeing is just 10 years of pent up aggression and frustration. And like, I never, I don't remember the big house being stormed the field in 2011, really. I, that's the last time they did it when they beat Ohio State, which is just tells you how much they care about it in the state. Cause 
Michigan was ranked at like 16th in that game and OSU was six and five and they still stormed the field. But it was just absolutely insane. And then you guys may not be able to catch this because you guys were obviously going to the, the Michigan State game, but they came back to the big new kickoff, which was right outside the big house entrances. And people were just like, not storming the set, but just like swarms of people running and just screaming and just mayhem. And you saw Jawan Howard down there on the field. Like it was just absolutely bananas, the, the whole the whole thing. Um, I honestly didn't know if Jim was going to be able to get off the field at one point because he stayed on to do the interview and people were just like just random fans just smacking his big coat on the back like let's go and he's like awkwardly high-fiving people and just trying to get out with security guards and like Hutchinson and McNamara didn't have any security they were just in in the mix with a hundred thousand people around them but that was crazy then my last part really that that I thought of well two points I want to ask this do you guys think after what we saw on Saturday because it was kind of the theme of the whole day Georgia is full season along the way they've been playing football and we see Oklahoma State finally exercise their demons against Oklahoma and Michigan pulls out one in Ohio State. I'm not saying it's a trend going forward, but is there at least a little correction you felt in college football this year where the, the physicalness of a team and like the commitment to running and being a physical defensive team is making a revival as we've gotten into like the past happy speed, speed era of college football? Uh, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say like physically running the ball, but I would say people lost sight of how good or how impactful a really good defense has on the game. Like how three studs on a defense, like Oklahoma State, nobody really knows any like studs on a defense and hand up. I mean, it's a national game, but like a collective team overall defense, they've been phenomenal this year. Georgia's different because they have five stars at every single position. But like Michigan, the two best players when Michigan's defense was on the field, and when Ohio State was on offense for Saturday was Hutchinson. And, I mean, you could go back and forth between Ohio State offense line, but I'm not going to butcher his name, Ojabo. Um, mm-hmm. They were the two best players on the field, and they had an impact on the game. And so I think people maybe are obsessed with points, and they love that. But when it all comes down, like defense, you have to have a solid defense to even get you into these games in the first place and then try to win a championship either in your conference or nationally. I mean, I think with anything as so, I don't know how many years of the you know offensive brigade it's been in football and college and both pros, but as time goes on, uh, you know everyone starts to learn and adjust to what's happening. So I just think it's just natural regression. The more we've seen the offenses, the more the defenses have begun to figure it out. So now we're seeing it go back to the middle, and then it'll swing the other way, and then. It'll, just keep swaying because that's just how, uh, you know, history repeats itself. So I just think defenses are adapting better to high-flying offense. And I don't think the rest of our lives, everyone's just going to score 65 points and just going to keep going up. I don't think that's going to continue. Right. No, 100%. Great point. And it hit me, too, when I was thinking about how Georgia this year almost feels like a Saban Alabama team from his early tenure when they just had – a game manager, quote unquote, quarterback, and just had absolute NFL dogs all around them, and were just a, more physical than you. And now Alabama went to the more spread, like high flying offense, and they've seen a little bit of trouble this year. So I just weird how like the pendulum swings in college football. And even more specific to the to the game between Michigan and Ohio State, shame on me for not knowing this, and it was so obvious all these years. I did not realize that Don Brown and Ryan Day worked together at 
Boston College. So it made so much sense why Ryan Day knew how to pick apart his defense every single time they played those years. And, you know, I don't forgive. I, I don't uh, blame Ryan Day for saying that they would hang 100 on Michigan because he probably would have if it was Don Brown's defense again. But that shows you to your point, Alex, about how as more films out there, you get a new defensive coordinator and Mike McDonald who's like, OK, maybe we can attack this Ohio State offense a different way than Don Brown stubbornly did 95 percent of the time playing man and things change. So it's just like simple as that. Plus, you have to have the NFL talent up front to execute the game plan. But yeah, it was. I guess it's a it's a refreshing correction. I guess in college football, an interesting storyline to monitor of how this like one game kind of highlights a bigger theme um, in the country. And then the last thing I want to say about the broadcast because we are a big broadcast guys. Um, I didn't really love it. I Fox was having replay problems for large chunks of this game. Like it started when Dom Nevers cut a wheel route on the sideline and there's just no replay of it. And like, it was a bang, bang play. Obviously I'm going to trust the refs got it right. But like, as a fan, you still want to see the replay to know how close it was. And the more egregious one, there was one, um, a fourth and four that Ohio State had in the second half. That was a crazy juggling to catch by Smith and Jigba. That was a catch that in the moment wasn't even sure if it was, but there was a replay that got leaked on Twitter of how absurd a catch it was. And they just never showed a replay during the game. And it just left fans wondering, like, why were Michigan players screaming that it was an incomplete? It's like, I would just would have liked to see it so I could know that that was the right call. And then the other thing with our Joel Clatt was killing me, dude. It, he was just, it just sucks when an announcer saying that you like, it's just saying things that you like vehemently disagree with. When Michigan got that uh, stop on Ohio State when they were up seven, nothing, they hit one play and they were in like at the 15. He's like, yeah, I think they should go for the throat here, go for a shot towards the end zone. I'm like, why? Like, you just carved Ohio State running the ball in the first drive of the game. And then, what, wouldn't you know, Gas was thinking the same thing. It took a shot to the end zone. Cade stares down his route like, the same one against Penn State and throws in the triple coverage. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that is not what we need right now. But uh, outside of that, Gus Johnson was sweet. But this Fox needs to figure it out for future games. Like, there needs to be better replays, and it can't, like, be broken for the whole first half. Do you guys have any other thoughts? I wasn't that locked into the, I guess, the broadcast the aspect of it. I, I was I going crazy. I couldn't really hear, like, the announcers. A lot of chatter, so I wasn't, like, locked into that portion of it. And then uh, the replays, I did notice there was uh, the one you're talking about, the bobble by Smith and Jigba. Evan was, like, adamant that it was incomplete. And then we uh, just, you know, where I said it, I thought he caught it, and then we didn't see a replay, and they snapped the ball. And I was like, oh. They did. It was a we're moving on. Yeah. So that was questionable that we didn't even see that. But I mean, I don't know. Broadcast is broadcast. It's never gonna be perfect. There's a lot of problems in broadcasting. You let them off easy there. You gotta have replays. Yeah, you let them off easy. And it, like as a fan that's not in the stadium that is watching the game, the broadcast is half of the game experience. Like if no, they I, botch it up, it's ruining your game experience. It's r- ruining the watching experience. I just and think I, I mean I understand it why, and with um, us like the way we were watching it, you know we're not really paying attention to all the replaces. We're surrounded by twelve other people, but then like once you get on Twitter in between commercial breaks and reading all the Michigan fans or all the social media buzz about how there's terrible replays, then you kind of notice it even more, which isn't helping. But I'm sure Gus Johnson did a phenomenal job. He had a sweet pronunciation of a Jabo's name on the last sack. I love that. He was like, oh, Jabo. 
Evan, can you confirm you were doing OHIO chants in your apartment? Uh, 100%. I can't confirm. I did put on my uh, Ohio State beanie. Um, you have one? Why does oh. one? Um, I, I, I grew up a Michigan State fan. I despise 99.8% of everything that has to do with Michigan. Um, so I will never, ever cheer for them in any sport. So I was cheering for Ohio State. People were saying you root harder for Ohio State against Michigan than maybe you sometimes do for Michigan State. Any uh, um, No. Um, people were saying while we were watching this game that I was going to cheer harder for Ohio State during this game than I was cheering for Michigan State during the Penn State game. Um, yeah, you can. I... It's the first close. three quarters, I would say it's close. For fourth quarter, I kind of gave in that Michigan was going to win. So yeah, I can see what Evan's saying. Like sometimes it's fun to pretend to be a fan. Like you could argue that I don't think Evan was. Pretending. You could argue that when I went to the Miami game with you guys, I cheered harder for Michigan State than I have in several Michigan games this year. But I was kind of just like acting into a bit and got lost in the moment, and also drank a lot of beer going in the stadium. So like sometimes it's fun just to like. Because then you just don't take it as hard when the game's over. It's like, okay, I cheered, but now I don't have the crushing pain of loss because it's not really my team. Only difference is Evan did have that crushing pain. No. Well, then I didn't have the crushing pain that Ohio State lost. It was more crushing pain that I couldn't believe that Michigan's finally in the Big Ten championship game, that they're finally going to the playoff, that Harbaugh finally got a win. I, I, I was it just shocked that it happened this year. I'll just say that. And, like, and then, of course, where we live, geographically, all of our friends – it's just been a utter just display of vomit on my social media that everything that I'm reading and watching. It's weird how, like no one knew how Michigan fans would react, and they like we don't know how to handle a win like this <laughs> in shows. Like Showing. I don't, I don't know what people thought was going to happen. I didn't. No one knew. No one knows what to do. No one knows how to handle it. It's just like no, they do not. It's going to 365 days until great, they play again. But great for our Twitter account. So oh yeah. my god. <laughs> Great! I didn't like. I didn't like the all blue look. Oh, I did. I'm in love with them now, just because I did, I just did not like the all blue look. Like in a I'm, traditional like big rivalry game, I am the guy that loves the tradition uniforms, and yeah. I think like watching the Michigan Ohio State game, like their traditional uniforms, oh man, away when they face each other, it's just like pleasing to watch. I'm surprised. And, like when they came out in all blue, it was, it was eh. Most of the time, Ohio State never wears traditional white. I understand that. Correct. I understand. I understand that, but like Michigan's more known for just wearing traditional uniforms and never changing. Ohio State's kind of flirted with their ugly uniforms in the past. Some decent ones. Um, Those like poopy helmets they wear, or what? Cannonball ones. Yeah, the cannon. That's a great way to describe them. They were just cannonballs. That's what they called them. Was the cannonball helmets because they had the cannonball finish, paint finish on them. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. Oh, three. Okay, so that's just thought three quick things. We talked, we were a big like media podcast where we just consume all the media. And you better believe I've seen everything that's basically come out of this game. <laughs> the best parts of it, in my opinion, were one, the clip, not the one that got leaked on the broad, it was the broadcast clip or the one from um, the Josh Pate guy of the locker room scuffle at halftime. There's one that Kirk Herbstreet put out that someone must have sent to him from the Ohio State guy. And it's like, of the Ohio, it's a, Face, you're like facing the Ohio State players coming up the tunnel towards you. And then it's like those stragglers. And then you have the whole Michigan team behind them just screaming, like barking, like not dogs, but like a, like a pack of just dogs, like yelling at them, flipping them off. And like in that moment, you can kind of see the Ohio State players like, what the heck's going on? Like 
acting like not like they were scared, but like the body language looks like they're like, what's going on behind us? And I was just like, oh my God, this is a different Michigan team than I've seen in this game forever. And then I did personally love that Ojabo mimicked and did the LeBron James celebration on his last sack. That was sweet. That was just like, yeah, let's bring LeBron into this and just make fun of the state of Ohio. You do it on them when you get the last sack of the game. And then the last thing is, is it is a little crazy to do because you're one in five against Ohio State, but technically only one on one against Ryan Day. Jim made it through a whole 99% of a press conference without saying anything stupid about the rivalry or like anything. And uh, Wojnarowski asked him a question. No, oh my God. Fire Wojo into the sun. He's so bad. Wojo asked the classic, like, did any of the talk of Columbus rile you guys up, you know, because you didn't play last year? And Jim was very politically correct and was like, yeah, we heard it and it does fuel you. I'm sure we're all thinking of the same thing. And then he drops an absolute classic Jim Harbaugh, like, doesn't, you don't really know what he means when he says it. One of those weird analogies, like the Olive Jar thing you talked about once, Evan. He goes, some people in life, think that uh, we're born on third base and think they hit a triple. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And it made a lot like of sense. Super clear that he's just saying Ryan Day, which is like gifted a program from um, Urban Meyer and hasn't had to work nearly as hard as like other coaches in college football. And now you better believe that it's on. The rivalry's back on. I know it's still skewed numbers in the last decade, but it just feels like with that chirp and everything that it, the bad blood is even better. And I, I don't know how Ohio State fans are reacting to it, uh, I know how why it is, but I don't know how their whole fan base as a whole is because I don't follow them on our social medias, and I almost don't really care how they're handling it, and I hope they're swarming and don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Day's lost one Big Ten game, so Jim, I mean, he's doing a decent job. But <laughs> uh, we'll see if it becomes uh, a closer rivalry where uh, everyone enjoys it at the end of the year. So this one was actually showing emotion on the sideline this game. He did. Dude, he almost he showed ran more emotion – in this right. game than he did in the first 11 games combined. Michigan finally I understand why. I mean, I understand why, but, like, you kind of want more, like, more out of them during the outer games. But, hey. Yeah. He's back. Old Jim's back. I don't know if I love it or hate it. I love the wins, but it does make me go, when he does stuff on social media sometimes. But he pretty much deleted his Twitter account, so that's good. Michigan, now we'll just end it here. I thought it was better to do since we basically just have Michigan, Michigan State to talk about today because I don't see any pro stuff. It's great. We'll yeah. just tie it together front half and back half. We'll go Michigan versus Iowa preview now. Um, first of all, I'd love to give your guys advice. Is there anything I should know going into the Big Ten Championship week? It's super new for me. Any tips, any pointers? I, I was like going to Indy like you guys, got, you guys did, but um, anything, any mentality that you have to take into this game? Just embrace all of it, you know, enjoy every second of the week leading up. You're going to get super, super nervous on Saturday. It's going to be like in your stomach pit nervous, like way worse than anything you've ever imagined. And um, yeah, I mean, I just remember I was locked into like every press conference, every quote, every like scouting report, practice, anything, anything I get my hands on just all over it, fully, fully embracing it. And then when you get there, you know, if you were, if you actually were going, mm-hmm. it was different for Evan and I, because when we went, it was against Iowa and it was Iowa's first time being there. And it was like 80% Iowa. Oh my God. Oh, wow. went to game day that morning in Indy, all Iowa fans. And you're just like, holy, this is a, this is a road game in the big 10 championship. 
And uh, yeah, you know, when you're losing in the game at some point, if you ever are, it's like fully like depression watch. If you, if you don't get back into it. It's, and every, oh, this is the worst part. Is every play feels like, you know, it really matters. Like we don't get a first down here. I'm first down over game. <laughs> over. It's, it's just, everything feels big. Oh yeah. I mean, you basically just don't turn off big 10 network for a whole week. Your nerves are like, is you'll be as nervous and like excitement, whatever one you combine, probably more nerves um, as you are for like the Michigan, Michigan state game. And for like the Michigan, Ohio state. Probably not as nervous for Ohio State game, but like then it's a Big Ten championship game, and then you realize like, oh crap, we have a chance to go to the playoff if we win this. We have a chance to win the Big Ten for the first time since two thousand four or whatever, two thousand three for you guys. I mean, like Alex said, it is literally like a college basketball or a playoff baseball game where it seems like every single play matters. And then for like Austin twenty fifteen game. The one they had like an ADR touchdown, you kind of just sit down in your seat and you're like, we lost. Every so many, thing that goes wrong, like I'm the terrible fan probably to watch some games with, but it's just like, it's over. We lost. You might say that at least a couple of times if you're trailing. Yeah. And then you just got to hope for an eight minute drive to win the game. But however, I just like this, Iowa has the worst like overall like efficient offense in the Big Ten. They're I don't not know if you want to get into, I don't know if you want to get into the preview already. Oh, get into it. It's a great transition. I was in the hundreds in offensive efficiency. Yes. It is. David versus Goliath when I was out there on offense. Um, They rolled out their backup QB to start against Nebraska. Yeah, what is it? Petrus did finish. Padilly? Something like that? Petrus finished. This kid looked like he looked like 150 pounds wet. And I was like, this kid is going to try to beat Nebraska. And then obviously their starter Petrus came in the second half. So based on – I'll go into your – I just was looking up – stats are so weird, you know. You try to find things that actually could be tangible. I feel like, credit to us, we've done a pretty good job of trying to parse through, like, what are BS stats and what are real and what games you should look at. I looked at Iowa's last seven games, which goes back basically to all of October and all of November, because I don't need their 51-point bomb against Maryland that was, like, a bunch of pick sixes. Like, that doesn't count. <laughs> um, they've had 20 points per game in their last seven. And against Purdue and Wisconsin, who have good defenses, but you say Michigan's is just as good, if not better, they scored seven points against both those teams. Now, I don't know where the games were. I don't know if they were both on the road or what. Um, yes, they were. So they're not scoring a lot, but also their defense is really good. 21 points given up per game in their last seven, which is solid for college football. They're about like 17 on the year. So, and what scares me a little bit, if we're going to talk into like matchups to watch, is in those last seven, they have not given up an average of four yards per carry to any team. It's all, everything's been under four yards a carry. So, like the highest was 3.8. They gave up 189 rushing yards to Minnesota and 166 to Wisconsin. So, there is something to be said here where I can definitely see this game looking uglier and being closer and being sweatier for Michigan than you would think on paper because right now Vegas has it as it's up to minus 11 and a half for Michigan and the over under is 43 and a half. That's not a lot of margin for error. That's like saying I was going to score no points. And if there's any college football plays in this game where they have an 80 yard bomb, then it's like scary season because like you're not, I don't think you're going to be able to run the ball against Iowa like they did against Ohio state. I don't think that's replicable, but I don't know. How do you guys think? You guys probably are going to be more rational and be like, Grant, I don't see how Iowa wins this game. Well, I, I think Evan's going to be that guy. 
So I'll be uh, Iowa opportunist guy. So Ivan, you give us why Michigan's going to destroy it. Sounds good. And get after it. You can go first. You want me to go first? So offense efficiency first. Um, They skill position wise, they're not deep at the wide receiver position. They have a bunch of guys that can do the spot, but they don't have a stud. Um, I feel like your athletes defensively and offensively are better than their athletes when they're they're back half of their secondary. Their front seven is going to be solid, but not traditional Iowa front seven based off the stats you just read. Um, so I feel like that's a weakness for them. And their mindset's got to be that they have to stop the run first no matter what. Like, it's got to be run, run, run first. I was clear what we watched. And let Cade McAmeer throw for 353 like against Michigan State. Because if they don't stop the run, it's going to be hard for them to generate offense. Um, I just – like, if they're not generating, like, any solid, like, run game for them, I just don't see how their athletes – and like their quarterback play has been down this year is going to be able to suffice like a long drive here and there. If they're not winning field position, playing just like two early 2000s football, they're not winning field, field position and they're not like staying ahead of the change. I don't see how Iowa can win. And I don't based really, based off of the way that Michigan's playing right now. Yeah. And I don't see like Michigan secondary for all intents and purposes played pretty well against Ohio State. Like they got. They just lost some one-on-one battles, but everyone's going to do that against those three receivers. And I don't know ignorantly how good was Iowa's receivers are, but I just feel like I'm not we're not going to see any like 70-yard bombs mistakes against Michigan. And they're going to, like they did against Ohio State, they're going to limit the big plays and you're going to have to move down the field, like I've been saying, unless there's bullying up front, which doesn't seem likely, it's going to be tough. But they could, though, because like I said, Ohio State should have ran the ball more. And Iowa has Tyler Goodson, who's a very good running back. So they have a guy to do it. It's just, will they be able to do it? Um, Iowa won games early in the season, got ranked as high as two based on uh, turnover, forcing turnovers. They forced a million turnovers. Crazy how long the season college football is that Iowa and Penn State was a two versus three matchup like two months ago. Yeah, Iowa forced a million turnovers in the beginning of the year. Um, their secondary was like, one of the highest rated Mm -hmm. all their secondary players were phenomenal. And then they played Purdue and David Bell and David Bell had like 250 yards receiving and Purdue kind of made the blueprint of how to beat their secondary front. Seven's not as good as it has been in the past. Still good. I'd say their defense is still good. Um, I just don't know how they're going to stop Michigan's run game. Um, Offensively, like Evan said, they are, just be nice to not be nice about it. They're just bad on offense. They're not going to be able to throw the ball at all. I don't think the only um, hope Iowa has, I'd say, is that uh, Michigan, you know, riding the high of the Ohio State win. I get it. it's not it's not a letdown spot because uh, it's the Big Ten championship game. You're not just going to stroll in and forget that you're playing for a lot like more than you ever played for. It's a letdown first half spot though. Potentially who... you could start slow, but Iowa's offense is not good enough to really jump on you. Uh, maybe at best they'll be up seven. I wonder how their special teams is because I feel like Iowa always has solid special teams. Dude, there's team. just, there's just no way that <laughs> just the problem is they're not better at anything. I mean, I'm going to seem probably ignorant and this will be clipped for eternity, but I'm also looking at Iowa's schedule and this is no disrespect to Minnesota. Because they did win that game, but it was at home. So it's one of those games you probably think as Iowa, you should win. 
they don't really have like a good impressive win on their schedule. They beat Penn State, but Penn State lost their quarterback. They would have I would got they're getting blitz. I would got would have gotten blown out in that game. They did beat Minnesota at home, like I said, and they went to Nebraska and won, but Nebraska can't win football games that are close. So that's kind of like you were going to win. And they beat Iowa State, who stinks this year, and Indiana, who stinks this year. So it's like they don't they haven't beaten anyone good. Like the only like counterpart we have to like the two points that Iowa has a chance. One, their coaching staff, this program has been there before. They're not gonna be shell shocked by anything. Their coaching staff has been there before. Two, I don't feel like they're gonna beat themselves at times. Um, whether they can play conservative. But however, on the other hand, well, one more point. Like this is like Iowa's like Super Bowl basically, because they know they're not making a playoff. They don't have an NFL team in Iowa either. Correct. Like this team, yeah. Yeah, this is like their matchup where they win this. Obviously, their season's made, but like this is it. Obviously, the bowl game's cool. Like they could argue that they could get to go to the Rose Bowl over Ohio State, but it's unlikely. Um, but then you go like counter that. I feel like now it's going to be like 70% Michigan fans in, in the stands because yeah. it's the first time. And is Kirk Ferentz where like, yeah, he's like teams like fundamentally sound, but is he going to pull? A bunch of fakes. Is he gonna do anything sexy? And it's just no. Yeah, I the, mean the, the way to convince yourself. I mean, we did our diligence of X's and O's, but the real like dumb but logical thing to say if Iowa can win is just like this is just stuff Iowa does. They ruin people's seasons. They've had Michigan's number for years, and like that's the only thing I can think of when I just see Iowa. I get a little nervous just because they always just muck up games, and like they they're probably not going to beat themselves, like you said. I mean, I know when Michigan State played them. In the Big Ten Championship game, they were 12-0. But still, no one thought on planet that Iowa was going to win. Like, everyone thought Michigan State was going to win. And they were, like, uh, a half a yard away from winning. And that they did have some NFL talent. Um, not a ton. But still, they mucked the living crap out of that game. It was, like, 17 to something. 17-13 or something. 16-13, and like plus, like I'm not hating on Michigan. Whatever you play, whoever's on your schedule, and you play whoever won the West, and the West was a little down this year. Wisconsin blew it on Saturday to roll the boat. Um, but like according wow. to like AP poll, this is the third worst team to play in the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, according to rankings, there was a Northwestern team ranked, I don't know, three years ago. Not the most recent one, but the other one was ranked like 21st, 22. And then Ew. Wisconsin was unranked. Then Wisconsin was unranked one year because Ohio State was banned from the postseason. And they were unranked, but they won the game against Nebraska like 70 to 30 because they didn't know how to defend a jet sweep. So if you're looking at on paper, this is one of the worst teams to make it to the championship. Yeah, I mean, I think Iowa's best chance just muck it up, run the ball a million times. Basically, Michigan's blueprint last week against Ohio State. Problem is, Iowa's not there. So I would say, too, it makes me feel a little bit better now that I'm looking because I was thinking about them being mistake-free. They have had a turnover in six of their last seven games. I think it's Purdue and Wisconsin. They had four turnovers and three turnovers. Mm. So there is a chance when they face the two toughest teams they had to face, they pooped their pants at some level and they had less turnovers. And actually, four of them were picks against Purdue. And then they had three fumbles versus Wisconsin. So this is good. I also heard a bunch of people saying that they give up a lot of sacks. I don't know exactly how to find that super well because college stats are harder. But if it's true, they give up a lot of sacks and they're dead. Like, that's not going to work. Because you're going to have to have great protection because you have to throw the ball at some point, I would think. I mean, geez. But 
with the, with mm-hmm. the, like the sack, just one thing to help Iowa, like if they are getting in trouble with sacks, they're not afraid to just use like four tight ends if they have to. Yeah. And then they'll be like, oh, we can't get any exception with wide receivers. And everybody points to like, oh, there's no wide receivers out there. It's like, well, they decided just to use four tight ends instead. And Michigan's defenders will probably be either draped all over them or to get boxed out. Like where Ohio of- State were struggles, if they're struggling with their tackles, then they're like, okay, we just got to get the ball out quicker. But that's easier to defend because they won't put tight ends in where Iowa might do that. And it kind of goes to the narrative we talked about how it was a benefit for Coach Harbaugh that he's stubborn and will always run against Ohio State. We kind of saw in the Ohio State-Michigan, I felt like when I talked about Ryan Day abandoning the run, that he got a little impatient and wanted these chunk plays. Kirk Ferentz does not need chunk plays. Like three yards of carry is like sex for him. He's like, yeah, give me that three <laughs> You know, like, give me 3.2 yards per carry, and I'll just do fourth and ones on your, yes. on your butt all the way down the field. Let me get so, to midfield, and then I will punt and be happy with the product, production, and they'll be like, oh, we flipped field position. That's all that matters. We won that drive. Yeah. I will say, though, I think it's much better. Shout out, Evan, roll the boat. Shout out, Minnesota, because I was so convinced. It's like Wisconsin round two. I don't feel great about it because they've been peaking. Now, I felt a little bit better when I just saw how the Wisconsin-Minnesota game left went because Wisconsin was playing so bad. I'm like, okay, are they really that good now after they found something or what? But it's always nice to play a new team and not the same team twice because obviously we know it's a little bit harder. Um, this will lead us right into our predictions and must-win meter. Is it is it just too easy to say that I like this game will probably go the way that the Michigan versus Wisconsin game went? Because it's they're kind of similar teams, Wisconsin and Iowa. Like close at half, and then it just kind of in the second half they separate because like the talent gap just gets a little too wide. I would hundred percent agree. I lean the other direction. This is a this is a Big Ten championship game. I think you know you can throw that back out. It could it could be close. It could be. I hundred percent agree. This could be a sweat fest. This could be a three point. I and I feel like it might. All right, leave us off. Sweat fest, and then the balls can get kicked off, and then it'll be over. (laughs) Prediction and must win meter. Uh. It is the Big Ten championship game. I don't know if you can determine it a must win, but it's a must win. Um, you you want to win it. It's a must it's win. Weird. I'll stop you right there. It's, it's a, a must lot win. to win it. No, it's a must. But like, are you going to be a like, must. super depressed if yes. you lose? Yep. Yes. Your entire yes. season is ruined if you guess, lose this game. I guess the real question is what if like, with the must win meter, we're saying must win or like someone's like in trouble. So if Jim doesn't win this, like my mental right back out. Is everyone right back out and they lose? No, absolutely not. But the program needs to win this game. Some scummy Michigan fans will be right out when if they do lose, they won't. But if they do lose, some scummy Michigan fans will. Like you guys would be fully in your rights to be like making jokes that Michigan's a joke. We knew they would choke if they lose this game because it's embarrassing. If you hand up, you will hear it from me first if you do blow this game. Super embarrassing now, but I will have no defense for it. Yeah, this team pissed off. (laughs) After all the crap they talked and like that they're different after being Ohio State, like one step is. But again, that's that's why I made that's why the win on Saturday was so massive because it's not Michigan didn't beat Ohio State in a year where Michigan was already eliminated. Like it was for everything. It was to go. Now you have to keep going, and we don't know how they're going to do because it's never done. Before. Do you want to hear an alarming stat? Sure. Only one team won the Big Ten championship game in their first appearance, and it was Wisconsin because it was the first. Wow. No, I'll take that back. That's a that's a lie. Ohio State's first appearance lost. Penn State's first appearance won. Only appearance is a win. Sorry, Penn State. <laughs> Alex, get dunked on. Let's other than that, that though, Grant. <laughs> other than that, though, everyone else. Else. So 
And so basically just one team because the first game doesn't count. Hmm. And that was a three-point game. So, you know, it's a little alarming. Must win. Must win. And score. Not high scoring. I'll probably take the under. 27 for Michigan. 13 for Iowa. So Michigan. Was it? Sorry. 27-13. Got it. That's not sweat fest. Uh, I think it'll be like reasonably close. It'd probably be like 13-10 Iowa half. Then they won't score. Got it. Uh, must win. Not going to be close. Uh, I got Michigan 38, Iowa. Let's see. They go for two, but they don't get it. 15. Evan almost just did the Wisconsin game. Close. It was 38-17 against Wisconsin. Um, must win. I'm gonna say, well, it's gonna be, it's gonna be 13 to seven. Michigan at the half, pretty close to what it's at. Yo, I think it's gonna be super close to the half. Michigan hasn't separated from any team really in the first half ever this whole season. And then it's going to be, well, funny enough, I just thought about the, I think the biggest lead they've had at half is probably Michigan State. Just insane that they found a way to lose that game. The credit to Michigan State is Kenneth Walker's a dog. The final score will be. I just want to get this right. I want to be close on this. The biggest game of my life. 30. So far. So far. You're going to have a semifinal uh, game to like predict. 32. 30, not 32. I just, 32. Uh, 17. 17 might be too high, honestly, with, with them because they scored seven against the other two. But got 15, 15, 17. They'll be up. 30 to 17. What my prediction is. You gave Iowa the most points. Yeah, it feels dumb looking back at it. But. Now. Now to, to snowball. The snow really picked up in Michigan for your guys' game. My goodness. Dumping. Um, I, feel, I feel a little guilty. I guess I shouldn't because most people like Grant. Grant watch. Grant, you yeah. should enjoy the massive win. I saw a couple highlight plays. I saw two one-headed grabs by each team on Tory Foster and Parker Washington, but this is a true lean on you guys to walk me through this game and the game that gets Mel Tucker to 10 wins in his second season, first full season as a coach at Michigan State. Gritty, gritty, gritty win. You know, some guy leaked definitely from Vegas that everyone was sick and that we'd have like 50 players out. This is a lie because it just wasn't true because everyone played that we thought wouldn't play. Kenneth played, Reed played. Thorne played. So the whole team is healthy. So I don't know why that got leaked. I don't know where that information came from. Um, so going into the game, I thought we were super screwed. Uh, started fast, hand up, got to the game late. Didn't see the first two drives until I rewatched it. But uh, really good first two drives. Peyton Thorne had a fantastic game in the snow, minus his one Really horrendous, awful, terrible throw. Worst throw of the season by far. Um, it's pick six if uh, you haven't seen it. That was actually Rocky Lombardi under center. It was really bad. One of the worst throws. <laughs> they gave Rocky a snap because they wanted to reward him for the Mac. It the Mac was appearance. bad. But uh, so offensively, you know, they ran the ball pretty well. Evan might gripe a bit about the play calling. I'm sure he will get into that. Always do. Um, Connor Hayward, just rumbling, stumbling, big man making plays per usual. He has fantastic hands, super underrated. 
catches everything. Even in the snow, he was just making great grabs. It's not underrated. Everyone knows that Big Skill Boy has fucking sweet. Big hands. Skill Boy is <laughs> an asset. He'll be an asset to an NFL team. I cannot believe that that's to the point where like Patrick Ricard level for the Ravens or use yeah, check. That's a use check too far. Use check's pretty good. Um, but the Ravens <laughs> will Connor Hayward be fantasy startable? No. Okay. But like a I, waiver. I think he'll like play a desperation. He's better waiver. than Jason Cabinda. Okay, wow. Um, Jason Cabinda might come and find you. Uh, he's not too far. So offensively, I thought it was overall pretty solid throughout the day, especially with the weather. Um, Kenneth, he was. I can tell he was probably not one hundred percent. He got chased down a couple times. Could be because of the snow. Could be because of the ankle. Whatever. Still ran for one hundred and thirty-eight yards. Uh, the only bad things, um, partly because of the snow, kicking was horrendous in this game for all teams. I mean, so it got to the point where we just got to fourth, fourth down. We said, yep, let's just go for it. Um, so we went for it on fourth down a bunch of times. Funny thing from the broadcast that was – this is like the one thing that stuck in my head because I was focusing on the, the recap of the Michigan game, but you could hear the announcer go uh, – yeah, so Peyton Thorne came to the sideline because they had the sideline reporter down there, and he didn't know who kicked that ball for Michigan State on the like one of the missed three kickers, the missed extra point. Um, he, Peyton Thorne didn't know who that was two three according to the box score. According to the box score, it was only been two. It was only two. All right. Well, the other guy with the, the club, he kicked off once, tried to make a tackle. I was watching this last night, and he just got absolutely ran over by Penn State's return man. It was one of the worst tackle attempts. He just kind of ran straight up with his chest and just didn't wrap and just ran into him. It was awful. But that does illuminate the uh, the kicking scenario for Michigan State that, like, it was just so funny to think that the starting quarterback, which, you know what? They didn't even know. He doesn't need to know, really. He's like, who is that? And then they were telling, like, this kid's from college and got the call up to Michigan State as, like, a walk-on. It's like, what? Well, Coughlin's first kick was, like, a half an inch above the crossbar. It barely went in. And then he was complaining that he was hurt, and then we didn't see him again. And then we just went for it. Defensively, uh, played pretty not great again. I mean, Ben don't break, I guess. Uh, but the middle was wide open, and uh, Dotson had quite a big game. Both their receivers did. Parker, I think is his name. Parker Washington. Yeah. Um, so the secondary wasn't great. However, they got off the field, and Penn State couldn't kick. James Franklin iced his own kicker because he's a bad coach. He didn't get fired, so that's disappointing. Because he got the opposite of fired. But ultimately, <laughs> completely opposite of fire. Won the football game at 10 and 2. And, you know, it might not mean a lot to all the Michigan fans listening. They probably think it doesn't matter. But for, for this program, that. for this program, that was a, a giant win, a huge win for uh, recruiting and going forward. I said it was a giant win right in my face because I was predicting Penn State to win forever. Yep. You doubted this thing. But does Evan have any ni- nice things to say about Sean Clifford? Because I'm looking at the box score and it looks like he played pretty well. Yeah. Well, I was still right that you should never trust a Sean Clifford and James Franklin-led team. Uh, thank God we held on. Um, ben don't break. Cal Holiday played really well. Terry Snow played well again. Beasley played well defensive line. Um, um, offensively, like, with, like Alex already basically highlighted the entire game with the play calling and the kicking situation. Like when you know you're going for it on fourth down, 
I don't understand why you're not trying to get like yourself in better situations on second and third down, especially third down, third down and long. And then we're still trying to throw the ball beyond the chains. It's like, you know, you're going for it on fourth down, get it to fourth and manage to set something up. There's too many times where we're trying to throw the ball when it's third and 13. And it's like, Hey, you know, you're going for it on fourth down because you're already past midfield. You're not punting. You're not going to kick a field goal. Like, like help yourself in the future the next play by just setting something up nuts. I wish we ran the ball more because, uh, I mean, we finished with 47 rushes and 183 rushing yards. And that's with Reed having negative eight on one play, one of the worst play calls all year. Uh, try to run an end around in the snow. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. So, I mean, there's a couple play calls here there when I'm nitpicking, but Reed did play really well. Conrad Hayward surprisingly played well. Surprising, Evan. He's good. Dude, Reed's just a dude. Yeah, Reed's sweet. He'll, he can win. I know Kenneth's the obvious pick, but he would be the guy that I'd want on Michigan the most if I had to pluck a player. That makes sense. He's like the Shondi Brown Alex Gillen award. Jaden Reed. That's my Shondi Brown. I mean, he's just Penn State's just a knows he's better. He makes play. Yeah. No, I mean, you don't have to poop on Penn State. They, they are. Stop. They are. James Franklin saying, please stop throwing snowballs at <laughs> that, me. That, that was so soft. That was so funny. Oh, my God. Oh, and then, like, fine. and then yeah. his press conference afterwards. He's I mean, shout out Michigan State Athletics for just throwing them in the concourse where, like, fans are like, eligible to, like, walk yeah, by and just tackle them. Hilarious. In the concourse. Um, first time I've ever seen, like, an away coach do it in the concourse, actually. Um, and then just... <laughs> I mean, being in the stadium and being in the student section, as soon as there's snow on the ground, I mean, you just know snowballs are just going to fly from everywhere. And they were. And confirmed, got hit in the chest. I can't confirm, got hit in the back. Um, but it was also funny being in the student section and, like, the COVID new protocols. So, like, hopefully, well, screw it, they're not listening. Getting into the game, they don't really check. They said, okay, unzip. We unzipped our coats and then just do a spin while somebody's watching. No pat down, no nothing. Jack. Throughout like the entire first quarter, you could just see every single student just throwing their empty like uh, fireball shooter in the air. Fireball shooters were flying. <laughs> I mean, you just picture fireball shooters and snowballs just raining down. It was awesome. Absolutely. It never stopped. Oh, best part too! I saw a bunch of dudes just take their shirts off <laughs> to take an Instagram picture. Immediately put their put their shirts. They're frauds. Find oh, them and call them frauds. Yeah, we need super, to find this people. Super loser level stuff. If you did that, you should be ashamed. And one Penn State fan um, chirped me after the game. Oh, no, no. And I don't know what, what could said. they have said. He, he said, said that you don't know your own fight song. Oh, yeah. He tried to tell me I didn't know the fight song. I asked him how his five losses were. Nice. And then he said, <laughs> Roasted. He said, Your coach is going to LSU. Uh, man, buddy, that was like two weeks ago. We've already resolved that. And then he's like, yeah, I hate my coach. And he just went full on about how much he hates James <laughs> Franklin. You broke him down. You actually yeah, flipped like, him I don't need to talk. That guy was just sad at life. But speaking of the coaching, how great does it feel now with all the stuff popping off that you guys locked up Mel Pecker before things got crazy in college football? Feels great. Lincoln Riley leaving. Just like the fact that Oklahoma was there now, I, that would have scared me more than LSU. Well, Grant thinks Mel's going to Oklahoma. He told me last night. I was joking. I was joking. But I don't know. $100,000 to have whatever drip he wants, dude. He ain't leaving. $100,000 from Nike. 
Was that in the contract? Yeah, the contract details did come out around 4 p.m. today. Wow, what was you what, buyouts like? That's a great question for the summertime. What would you guys buy if you had a hundred thousand dollars worth of Nike? They are paying that just for fun. It's it's not just Nike. It's like his fashion. It's like shoes and whatever his wardrobe. The, the GQ model. He wore what is it? What's the Louis Vuitton? That sounds right. Isn't that like a really big, like expensive, like name brand? He wore that a uh, scarf while he did the Spartan walk to the stadium. It's not like a football guy, though. Did I, you, I, I like Mel Tucker, but this sounds very unfootball guy. -like. He's doing he, all of this on purpose because of recruits. I mean, he looks. I don't know, I guess they do. They do. They do like that stuff. The young, the young kids. My he last looks. point on the game: walking to the stadium. Um, it was enjoyable, and then like some people were still like tailgating, like bracing the elements. Good for them. Uh, I heard Sean McDonough was on the call, and I instantly just wanted to turn around and go back just so I could listen to Sean McDonough call our game. His hands up, probably he's got to be like, if he's not the top, he's number two of the most enjoyable voice to watch call a game. It's probably like in college football right now. I'm not doing all time. I'm doing right now. It's him. I like Gus, and I like I still like the CBS guys because I just love. Their voices are synonymous with uh, Ryan Nestor's really good. Three thirty. Um, I just they, they they're kind of funny too. They kind of say funny stuff. They like jab and whatnot. So I just like that. Oh, Todd Blackledge's hat, dude. Have you guys got to see what he was wearing? I did not. I've not seen one picture of what he was wearing. That was so goofy, dude. It's probably it was on like YouTube. Not really goofy. It's a cold um, head. He looked like a Smokey the like a Park Ranger. It wasn't like a beanie. It was like a top hat. It was. It thought it was gonna be the Kentucky Derby. That was funny. I'll try to find you a picture later. It's just, just made me think about the broadcast. But um, now the fun part is bowl season because, like Evan said, you got to get off the mat against Ohio State. You got to beat Penn State because the New Year's Six Bowl is on the line. Now, I don't know if it's like, is it a foregone conclusion they're in a New Year's Six or do things still need to play out really? Do you guys need any help to get in a New Year's Six or are you in a New Year's um, Six? As it stands, we would be in a New Year's Six. Uh, things that could make us not be in a New Year's Six. One, Michigan losing to Iowa. That would bump all the Big Ten teams down a spot because they wouldn't be in the playoff. So that would probably put us in the Citrus Bowl. But I would also say the Citrus Bowl is about as low as we could go, and it's really only if Michigan. Um, if not, it sounds like it's going to be Peach against the ACC winner. Or Fiesta against Notre Dame, assuming Notre Dame's not in the playoff. So I guess if everyone wants the dream Michigan State Notre Dame matchup, you have to root for Michigan and Oklahoma State. I would love Notre Dame Michigan State. That'd be sweet. Chance to get the final rivalry trophy all in the same season. Yeah. As as the as a Double Midwest game. as a Midwest football fan, that is just like matchup uniform coach all the projections are basically michigan state team. says fiesta i'm reading it's in the fiesta because everything that i'm reading too like alex brought it up to my attention that most of these bowl bowls have already like reached out and they already know who they want in the bowl games and like obviously you have the tie you have the like the you have the conference tie-ins rose bowls guaranteed to pick probably ohio state and the winner of the petrol championship the sugar bowls most likely picking alabama if they lose um, if Alabama wins, then they'll probably pick Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, that would actually open up another at large, I believe. 
I feel like it would just be like the Peach Bowl would be the, you know, if they'd probably pick, I don't even know who's the third best team in the, who's the fourth best team in the SEC? AM, even though they just lost. Kentucky. Yeah, AM. Kentucky. They, I, four SEC teams are not playing in the New Year's Six. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would, that would actually help. Okay, so, so it's, everything I'm reading, though, is like the Peach Bowl wants Ole Miss because of geographic and like obviously money general. And so, and then the ACC seems like they're guaranteed, whoever the winner of the ACC is guaranteed to play in the Peach Bowl. That is a guarantee. And so it's just like, it's like shunning everybody like, okay, Midwest teams now have fun out in Arizona. Well, it's selfish for me. If we're playing the Peach, I want to go to it. But if we're getting out in Arizona, not likely. I got my Peaches on Georgia. <laughs> and I'll be playing that all the way down the 10-hour ride down there. The only other thing that Michigan State could get bumped out for, which would be stunning and I would be furious at the world, mm-hmm. is uh, if they want to take, or if the committee, I guess, Coastal. moves BYU up ahead. Of yeah. Well, they're right there. They're 12. But it's all about like the non-Power 5 gets only one New Year's 6, and Cincinnati's already up there no matter what. Right. But if, if BYU were to be ranked in the top 12, they could technically – be picked over us. BYU should play Notre Dame this week and just settle it. It's true. Just settle it. But BYU barely beat USC last week. USC State. Well, no, they have Lincoln Riley now. <laughs> Facts. They didn't. Um, I turn into a USC fan. Well, it's more oh, a little crush on Lincoln Riley. Yeah. What's more interesting, what I want to know is who do you want to see in the New Year's Six? Who would you hate to see in the New Year's Six? I want to see Notre Dame for the passion. You want that, Brian Kelly? I want yeah. USC. Not USC. Sorry, I'm Lincoln Riley crush. Um, Notre Dame. I want to see Notre Dame. I don't want Ole Miss. I don't want Matt Corral torching us. Oh my gosh, no! Any spread offense, oh, guys. Don't want to see Alabama. Don't want to see Ole Miss. Um, Baylor, a little Cotton Bowl rematch. I could. I'd be fine with Baylor. I'd be Ooh. fine with Baylor. They have a really good defense. Oklahoma State would be all right. Cincinnati would be all right. I think the ACC teams would be cool because it'd be like. 65 to 63. There's just no defense in those games. I think it'd be sweet. But then again, I'd rather not play Wake Forest again in a bowl game. It would be won. it would be like March Madness bracket, how they do the brackets nowadays for March Madness. They just basically pick like rematches for that, like half the teams. It would be so funny, like for Michigan State to go to the Peach Bowl and like if Wake Forest won, we play Wake Forest because Kenneth Walker. Oh damn. Is there a good there's a good chance you guys could somehow play Alabama? Uh I don't know. If Alabama loses, I see Alabama going to Sugar Bowl no matter what, and I don't see as a tie-in to the Sugar. Oh. So they are, like, almost guaranteed. And then Ole Miss is the at-large SEC team. Sugar Bowl is not the playoff? No, it's cotton and orange. Oh. Ew. Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting that Hard Rock Butthole Stadium gets the playoff game. So, yeah, the tie-in, Alabama is almost guaranteed to Sugar Bowl at worst. Got it. Uh, There could be a lot of movement if Alabama wins. Um, There's a lot of movement if Alabama wins, if Oklahoma State loses, if Michigan lost, if Michigan lost. It's basically if all the upsets happen, then it's it's just absolutely chaotic. Then we're probably in the Citrus. Well, that's Alex's that's Alex's two loss nightmare bucket, which would be the most. I did create that scenario yesterday. If a bunch of teams lose, two two loss teams would be in the playoffs. That just would have to be. It would have to be. No. Yes, Evan. 
If, if all the upsets happened, you already know what it's going to be. What is it then? Miss it's Dana. Alabama, Georgia, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame. But I'm saying Cincinnati so loses since One loss, Cincinnati stays in. Oh, you say Cincinnati loses two. I yeah. thought we were just talking about the- They're going to take two lost teams over Cincinnati. Correct. Um, but Notre Dame would be in, so there's only one spot, and it's who's the best two lost team. You know who I would think. <laughs> I think if Michigan lost to Iowa, they wouldn't deserve it. What if it's tight, though? It was real tight. It's Iowa. They suck. They're bad. We just talked about how bad they are. Yeah, but you couldn't put Oklahoma State in. You know, would Baylor jump because they won? I would Baylor's honestly closest. say Baylor or Oregon if they win their conference championships as a chance in Michigan. Baylor, who's Baylor lose to? They lost Baylor to Oklahoma State and they lost to – who else did they lose to? You know? They beat Oklahoma. ECU. ECU. They lost to TCU. I mean, you could. I mean, the biggest argument would be Baylor because you're like, oh, they avenge their own, one of their losses. I think it'd be Oregon. Damn. No, they're, no. they had the two of the worst losses. Well, they would but, avenge. Well, who who wins the Pac-12? So you're telling me Oregon wins the Pac-12, then they avenge one of their losses. Yeah, that's what I mean. So if Oregon wins the Pac-12 and all those other teams lose. I think it'll come down to Baylor and Oregon because their conference champion. Oregon beat Ohio State, who beat. But then again, Michigan. And then Ohio State would be back in the mix because the committee lost. No. They would be. They got Michigan, Michigan would stay above them just because Michigan beat what? Ohio State. Blown out by Iowa. Oh, geez. That's not going to happen because I will be lucky to score 20 points. 20 to zero. God, I hope pick sixes don't happen. <laughs> okay. Let's do our before we wrap it up. Let's just do the, our playoff rankings and get ahead of the committee because they'll probably just our top four. No, just the top the top ten. Full. No, I have not done any research. But I I'll go first. first. I don't know. Unless you're ready, Evan. I'm ready. I already got my top ten. Do it. Influence. One. Georgia Bulldogs. Two. Michigan Wolverines. Three. Cincinnati Bearcats. Four. Oklahoma State. Oh. Five, Alabama, six, Notre Dame, seven, Ohio State, eight, Ole Miss, nine, Baylor, 10, MSU. Wow, they're back. They're back in the top 10. I'll go. I'm ready. Okay. Number one, Cincinnati. Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Bama, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Ole Miss. Ohio State, Baylor, Michigan State. Georgia one, Michigan two, Alabama three, Cincinnati four, Notre Dame five, Oklahoma State six, the other OSU seven, Ole Miss eight, Baylor nine, don't shoot me. The Oregon soccer. Oklahoma, 10. Ew. You stay at 10? They were 10 last week. Yeah. And, you know, they guess if you lose, you move down. But, honestly, they've lost to Baylor and Oklahoma State. And I know you don't get points for should have beating, but they, like, controlled Bedlam for the whole game and then had terrible special teams. Do you, you don't get, have a head coach anymore. Barely well, beating then, Kansas. <laughs> you don't have I'm, a head coach anymore. You uh, get negative points for barely beating Kansas? No. But you get positive points for almost beating Oklahoma State, who you have Notre Dame ahead of. Their their two losses are better than any of the other two lost losses. 
Did I say that right? Their two losses are better. Like we get it. Michigan State wasn't going to beat Penn State, so you just still think they lost, but they won. Grant, they lost to Purdue. They won. They beat Penn State. You know, despite a lucky Michigan to have to play Purdue. Four and a half point home underdogs. They won. Wait, 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 wait. What? I think we have breaking. I think we have fucking breaking news in the world. Oh no! It hasn't hit my phone yet. I think it has. Oh, to, don't say it. I think it has to do with the Notre Dame fighting Irish. LSU is expecting to hire Notre Dame's Brian Kelly as the school's next. Host. Oh my God! Right. Come as early Brian as Kelly, which means Luke Fickle to Notre Dame. Oh so my now, God! Notre Dame doesn't have a coach for our bowl game. Oh my God! Urban, so we're going to beat Notre Dame by a hundred. Urban Meyer to. It's Notre Dame. It's finally happening. No, it's Luke Fickle because Luke Fickle's DC is already at Mel Tucker to Notre Dame. I don't know what to think. How do you think? Brian Kelly's leaving Notre Dame. Give him a hardball to Notre Dame. Dude, that was the first, like, a wild cycle. That was one of the first massive breaking news on the show. Luke Fickle to Notre Dame. That's it. That's happening. That's a guarantee. No, it's not. Yes, it is. He said there were four jobs he'd consider. Four. Ohio Dude, State, I think I think Notre Dame. I wouldn't rule Urban out. I wouldn't well, rule Urban's out. out. No, I wouldn't rule no, out. No, 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 no. Why? No. You know, I'm back Urban's in college. Urban's not going back to Notre Dame. He's not. I guarantee. What do you mean going back to? Or going back to college? He's Why? Guarantee. Why? Because he's having so much fun in the NFL. I think he is starting to. <laughs> Bro, I think he hates recruiting. He's long said Notre Dame's one of his white whales. That in USC. Luke Fickle is going to Notre Dame. I would bet hundreds of thousands. Why would he, though? Because he could go dominate the Big 12 for years. He actually should stay. He said. Dude, you know how easy it is to win at Notre Dame playing the bums they play every year? Come on. Wow. The football team knew that this was about to happen. Hey, props for you guys. Portal season for Tuck. Notre hey, Dame. Our play. former recruit, Audrey Esteem, tweeted out and said, now what? See? No, that's Evan. true. No, that was it 20 was. hours ago. That was like 20 hours ago. That was yesterday. I found out about Brian Kelly 20 hours no, ago. A steamate was because they were like, now what do we get in the playoff? That's what that no, was about. Because now they. Why wouldn't he tweet that out on Saturday then? Because it's like, now we'll see if we make it. Like, yeah, now what? That then tweet that out tomorrow. No, because Brian Kelly had that quote about saying, like, I don't care what they do. I know we're one of the top four teams in the country. Like, I think all those players were like, now what's going to happen? And Lincoln Riley Brian leave. Kelly leaves right before they have a chance to go to the playoff. That's going to be awkward if they make the playoffs. They're not going to now. That's going to be a factor. Who's going to coach in the game, bro? Their it defensive won't. coordinator from Cincinnati. Marcus Freeman. Yeah. It's up to the school if he gets to coach, though. They are not going to want the guy to coach that is leaving that. They, that never happens. Lou Holtz is coming out of retirement to coach him. Unbelievable. Oh. Lee Corso. <laughs> Go Irish. Wow. Well, let that sink in, folks, as we wrap this puppy up. Uh, I would like to say everyone needs to really soak in conference championship week. I especially will be now that I'm actually involved in it. But even when Michigan wasn't making it for all those years, I love conference championship week. It's so great. The only down part is like, since the games are so staggered, if a game does stink, it kind of is like a lull in the day. But hopefully we have wire-to-wire great conference championship games, except for the Big Ten. Hopefully that's a blowout, so I don't have to sweat. But Breaking uh, news, it will be. But uh, let's all enjoy it. Let's soak it in. College football is fading fast. Really enjoy what's left of it. Our social accounts that are blowing up. The blue wall, as, Evan, as people call it, as Evan has said it in the past, the blue wall is out in numbers. 
<laughs> online. They're, they're crawling out of the Walmarts. Even the alums are getting involved. Everyone's involved. That's at Shot of MS everywhere. I know some people don't know all the platforms we have. We have Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook as well. The, the, the core four, I would say. Um, no Snapchats. How to listen to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Um, review. Review that, like it, share the links, follow it, whatever you got to do. Make sure they automatically download, subscribe, um, rate and review, like I said, on all platforms. And then any questions? We didn't have a ton. Uh, we didn't really answer. We did not answer Cody's question, but we can do that next week. It was a look ahead. I don't like looking past Iowa. So you I want to apologize Cody. to one of our fans. I owe apologies, I guess, to Brad and Cody. They were the two Michigan fans that told me Michigan would win. Now, Yes, am I sorry that I wasn't on board slap happy, but I hope that they can deep down believe why I was so pessimistic. I mean, you get beat down for that many years, you're going to be pessimistic. But yes, I'm sorry. I wish I did not flip-flop like a coward the week before because I knew it all year long, Ohio State could be got. And they got got, and it feels fantastic. I'm going to be playing Pump It Up and Seven Nation Army. Not really Mr. Brightside. I don't love that song. Uh, I'll be playing the first two all week leading up to the game. And Alex will be seeing him. Alex is a big pump it up guy, believe it or not. Unfortunately, it's just so catchy. It's just always in my head. Such a dumb song, but so good. With that being said, cheers to episode 48, almost to 50. Wow. And the side cheers is to Michigan finally, finally getting it done. Side cheers to longtime listener of the podcast and good friend Cody. Congrats, man. Nice. Oh, yeah. Congrats to Cody on your future. Some things are better than sports. Yes. That yes. Better than sports. Cheers to that. Cheers to um, I, was, I had I thought of a cheers earlier today, but I just can't remember. So cheers. The coaching carousel. Yeah. The portal. Portal. And if you still have healthy running backs in fantasy football, cheers to you. I know. <laughs> <laughs>